Michael Show. We're glad you're here today. Sunny day, warm day, nice. Get out and enjoy it. This whole week's going to be uh, above average, so it's going to be really, really nice. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, phone lines are wide open. We'll give you the, uh, the, the potpourri deal of anything. The cornucopia of sports. Anything you want to touch on, you can. As a matter of fact, Ben, our buddy Steve in Richfield said, I would like Ben's opinion. Here we go. On the Badgers outside linebacker recruit, Thomas Heiberger, 6'4", 210 pounds, four-star. you got to like fix success and aggressiveness. So he wants your opinion. I mean, it's a good ad. I don't – it's it's so tough to project. And uh, right. 24-7 Sports has him as a three-star. It seems like a, a perfect – If it seems like a classic Wisconsin mold kind of kid that uh, maybe isn't the highest on the recruiting boards and is likely slept on by other programs, but they are able to identify and probably perfectly fits whatever system they'll have. Right, because that's what they've made a living on for years and years. So I think he fits that. It's it's so tough to project four years. Like he probably wouldn't be a, on the defense for another four or five years. But it's a good ad. And I mean, you look at the whole twenty twenty four class, and it's it's starting to come together a bit. Uh, there are no, I mean, they're not going out and getting the five stars and four stars yet, or a lot of them yet. But they're laying a good foundation to hopefully win some other battles down the road. I uh, it's funny because that uh, you mentioned that, but uh, down uh, yesterday, uh, just yesterday, I was sitting at the bar um, and a couple of people came in and we were talking and what, you know, just one of the questions was, so what do you think of Luke Fickle? And I, I said, you know, I don't know. I, I can't judge success because they haven't played a game yet. I, I don't I don't know what this team is going to be. I don't know how they're going to be. I mean, if you look at his track record, certainly historically, you could say Luke Fickle's a hell of a coach and you're, you're anticipating a lot of success, but I'll say this. I can't remember the last time this program had this much enthusiasm built up behind it. I mean, I I know a few years back, maybe like Brett Bielema's last year, Maybe the anticipation for Gary Anderson's first year. I don't think a lot of people believed in Anderson, but what they believed that, that that there was going to be this opening up of the system and there was going to be this aerial attack and the Badgers were going to be maybe something that we hadn't seen in a long time. Maybe there was some excitement then. I don't know if it was good or bad or just anticipation, uh, but I can't remember the last time that there was this much discussion of Badger football this far out of season in a long time. Can you? No, and I haven't been in this state for a very long time, but no. And, I mean, Fickle, unlike a lot of his predecessors, really does a lot of the outward-facing, hype-building stuff, which, at the end of the day, is it everything? No. It it all comes down to whether you win on the field. But I do believe it matters, especially in today's age and social media and getting excitement up. And, I mean... He has built the expectations very, very high for this season. Maybe a little bit too high, even though their schedule is quite easy and they probably have a an easy path to win the West. Through building all this excitement, he's likely set the expectations at an unfair level for his first year with everything that's going to go on. And, I mean, we'll see. It's It's an important year to at least continue the hype. Not to necessarily exceed all expectations and go crazy, but to do well enough to have all the hype be warranted. The 
there has not been from the players that are brought in to the current players in spring practice to the guys walking through the door to find out that the weight room has been painted and looks completely different and there's a professional aspect to it there has been not been one negative thing said about the program since Luke Fickle took over and I think that's and he's also, like you said, he's also been a guy that, you know, he's on Twitter and he's active and he's very much the face of the program. I uh, I think that there is, there's nothing negative. There's nothing that you can latch on to and go, oh, push, boy, I don't know if this is going to work. I think everything's been incredibly positive. You're right. They may be setting the expectations too high for year one. Um, but it's not but a bad I, thing is what no, I'm trying to not, say. It, it, no, it's, it's a good it's, thing. It's, the, it's, a, it's a great thing that there's this much anticipation for a Badger football season that we've seen in a long time. So I don't think there's anything negative about it. I, I And I like the when you start to look at a lot of the guys that they've picked up, you're right. They're whether the, they're um, – I keep thinking of the net that Luke Fickle wanted to cast, and I keep thinking of the way he went about recruiting when he was at Cincinnati, and that's kind of the what, what he's doing now. And the fact that he's been successful in the portal, I I don't see any downside right now. I think it's this season. I don't want to say success. What I want to say is I think this is the anticipation for the most excitement regarding Badger football in a long time. But like you said, you just don't know until guys are on campus and they've been able to go through the program and go through drills and games and you know absorb the system and become one of many and so but i'm excited there's also i think a point needs to be made that there is a big difference between the health and well-being of a program and how good a certain team is where where a program outlook is years down the road and that's what all the excitement is about and that's where a lot of my confidence lies i also am probably overconfident about this season specifically just because of the mm-hmm. schedule and who they have right. coming back and who they have at quarterback. But like going into this year and this team has crazy success, yes, that tells you good things about the long-term health of the program, but they're not the, the exact same thing. Right. right. There is something separate than all of the behind-the-scenes stuff, all the recruiting, all of the things upstairs in McIntosh's office and Fickle's office. Big difference between that and how good is the 2023 team going to be. Right, right. Nope, 100% agree. Uh, this was from JD who says, uh, you know, with all the crap Rogers has pulled on the Packers, what do you think the odds are that the deal is done? But Goody wants to see Rogers sweat a little bit and therefore just waiting to sign off on the deal. Um, boy, <laughs> as tempting as it is to say, yeah, you know, I, I could see that. Uh, no, I, I think the, <sighs> I think the Packers want to get it done as badly as the Jets want to get it done as badly as Rodgers wants to get it done. Uh, I just think they're, you know, nothing draws desperation like a deadline. And the deadline becomes, the first deadline becomes the NFL draft before day one. The second deadline becomes the NFL draft entering day two. And then after that becomes June 1st. And then after that becomes the first week or second weekend in September or the beginning of training camp. Um, those are different deadlines for different reasons. But uh, but nothing draws 
the inevitability until you get to a deadline. And then you know that how far apart deals are and they're not. So we've seen it before. We've seen it in major things like baseball's contractual situation and certain players that say, I'm holding out, I'm not coming back, and they get franchise tagged and screw this. And then the minute the checks aren't aren't coming in, all of a sudden they're back. And, you know, so I I, I think this will all culminate in the next two weeks. I I just do. But, no, I I, I also don't think it's in the best interest of the Green Bay Packers to hold on to Rodgers and and drag their feet um, just to be obstinate. I think it's more security for everybody if you get the deal done and get it done with. Then Jordan Love knows 100% he's the guy. Rodgers knows 100% he's going to New York. The Jets know 100% who their quarterback is. They can make moves. Packers can make moves. They'll know what their money situation is specifically. You know, what does or doesn't get taken off the cap or if there's changes to be made and things. I think I just think there's so many stupid details that are swirling around this that just need to be settled and done. And I think all of the speculation and the and the 49ers and New York talking and players talking and public ripping and perception and personas and all that crap, all that crap means nothing right now. I think it's just a matter of getting a deal done, getting your details cro- done, your T's crossed, your I's dotted, and you're good to go. That's it. Uh, Ronald says, by the way, you've set the bar so high for recruiting to show that this team uh, is serious about winning championships, which I would agree. I would agree. I think you have to um, start somewhere. You have. Yeah, I was just going to say you got to kind of walk before you run. But I, I mean, Luke Fickle said when he came in, you know that they want to get an NCAA championship. The, you know, he he, he said championships. Yeah, he said championships. He took Cincinnati to a Final Four. I mean, come on. You know, you're not coming to Wisconsin just to win the Big Ten West. So I, I he wants – I mean, if you get a Big Ten championship, you are heading off to the Final Four for, or whatever it goes to be uh, for to, to possibly win a championship and to hoist uh, an NCAA championship trophy. So, you know, championships, meaning plural, meaning – not just multiple Big Tens, but, you know, if you win the Big Ten, your next championship to go plural would be to win the overall championship. So, I, yeah, I think that's what his goal is. That's that, that's what the aspirations are. But I agree with you, Ben, that you got to walk before you run. I also think it's impossible to look forward three or four years down the road and understand what the expectation should be for the team each year because of how different the sport's going to be, right? We're making the yeah. four-team playoff. We, we know what that means in the context of how good your team is and how good the season is. But if, if you say they hired Luke Fickle to make the playoff, well, if the playoff expands to 12 and they start making it every year, did the teams and everything get that much amazingly better or did the playoff just expand? Right. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's just four or five years down the road, everything about the sport's going to be different, about divisions in the Big Ten, USC and UCLA are joining, which makes it harder. And then the expanded playoff, where I don't think we can really grasp what, like, what does championship mean at that point? Right. Because it'll be a completely different landscape. As much as I can say that bringing in USC and UCLA 
and company are going to mean something to the Big Ten, it'll mean money. I still don't see those two programs coming in in any way, shape, or form and beginning to dominate. Oh, I this, disagree. Uh, I USC maybe, at least maybe USC, but I don't. I don't see them being a. Con- I still see the top three or four. You can maybe put USC in the top three or four, but I still think it's going to be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, USC, and then the trickle down effect from there. Don't you agree? I mean, USC with Lincoln, the thing is USC has shown that they can be the singular national power in the past. And it was many coaches and a long time ago, but they went through a lot of bad coaches and now they have Lincoln Riley who can't figure out defense. He brought his same defensive coordinator over from Oklahoma and his problem at Oklahoma was defense. That's why they lost playoff games. And he, he's bringing him back next year, which is questionable. But eventually he will realize that he has to bring his defense to a different level to win. And when he does that, I think they will be frightening. Like, I would be surprised if Lincoln Riley does not win a national title at some point um, there. Well, just because of I, what's around that. After, and I don't know what they have in the pipeline. I haven't even taken a look. But they've got Caleb Williams basically for one more year. And then he'll be gone. And they'll be starting that over uh, offensively. I don't know who he has quarterback-wise that would be coming into USC. I mean, I don't know if they have the three and four gatherings of five-star recruits the way, say, Ohio State has or even to the uh, certain extent, say, Alabama has. They do. They do. Okay. Oh, yes. Because that, that to me, is the number one, um, you know, thing. I know Lincoln Riley's good at recruiting. That I do know but I don't know if he had the stable of quarterbacks waiting there, much like an Ohio State does. He brought another younger quarterback over with him from from Oklahoma for a commit. I'm trying to find. I forget who. But it, it's also Southern California. Right. And that's kind of the breeding ground for so many great quarterbacks. That's where we see a lot of them come out of. That's where Stroud's from. Right. Malachi Nelson. I, there it Malachi, is. He, okay. he is a five star in the twenty twenty three class. Okay. I I just don't know if USC. We'll see. I mean, time will tell. I mean, I you know the Big Ten has been relatively top heavy, and this past year it, it was you know a couple of teams and that was pretty much it. Um, if you get the rise to prominence of say, Penn State begins to come back and begin become more dominant. Iowa can ever become more of a program. Minnesota can be out, become more of a program. Nebraska, who every year believes this is going to be their year and every year falls short. If any of those programs, including Wisconsin, begin to come back, I don't know if you see USC then begins to be able to just roll through the juggernaut the way they used to out in the Pac-12 because they didn't have. I mean, you had Oregon. Every now and then you'd have UCLA, you know. But Pac-12 wasn't overwhelmingly strong. That's true. You know, so I just wonder how good they're going to be on a week-in and week-out basis by getting into the Big Ten because that's where Nebraska really thought that they were going to have it because they came in, they were a national power, and then they said, wait a minute, you've got a lot better competition top to bottom in the Big Ten, which is one of the reasons Nebraska has not had nearly any success for that matter. The success that they thought they were going to have, it's because – in the Big Ten, you can get beat up on each and every week. And, you know, you weren't getting that 
prior to that. You'd get a couple of good games out of the Big 12, and that was pretty much the extent of it. 877-867-1670, Hit us up. Got a lot more to get to. Stay tuned. Also coming up here in about half an hour from now, it's going to be What Did We Miss? Our own Ben Kenny bringing some more topics to the table. Stay tuned. whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. A relocation may happen in their life. And if you're looking for a new home, call our buddy uh, Mikey Whitcomb over there at uh, Exit Realty. Exit Realty, 414-243-1976. He's the guy that I worked with when I was going through my home search. And I went through, I think it was like 12 houses before I found the one that I'm in now. And he had patience and did his due diligence and a lot of really good advice along the way. Uh, and uh, it was a great experience, and I couldn't recommend him anymore if I had to. And uh, not, he's a biker, obviously. We had a lot in common in that sense. But uh, get a hold of our buddy Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, Mikey Whitcomb, 414-243-1976, 414-243-1976, and exit realty, and uh, our guy Mikey can get you done, get, it, uh, get you into the right place at the right time. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. The, uh, Terry says the uh, quarterback room for the Badgers, best it's been. Uh, uh, I will take them. That will take them to the next level. Um, this one is from Art, who says the Green Bay Packers need to go ahead and get rid of Aaron Rodgers now, even if it's for a bag of football. This is becoming too big of a distraction. Well, well let, me, let, me, let me pause on that sentiment for just a second here. Too big of a distraction to who? You know, think about that for a minute. Too big of a distraction to who? To the fans? Yes. To the players? I don't think. I think the players are just kind of waiting for the ultimate or the inevitable. It's going to happen. Just, you know, sit back, relax, keep doing your thing, working out. Your responsibility as a professional is to do your job. Everything else will fall into place. And I think everybody... Everybody in the world pretty much knows, 99% of us all believe that Rodgers is going to be under center in New York come the opener the second weekend in September. Uh, you know, I don't think there's much doubt in that. So when we say it's too big of a distraction, it's too big of a distraction for you and I. I don't think it's too big of a distraction for anybody else that for that matter. Just, Just my opinion. Uh, 877-867-1670. Let's go to Kevin. Kevin, welcome to the program of the Bill Michael Show. What's going on today, man? Hey, Bill. First time caller. Glad to have um, you. What's up? Uh, been listening to you for 25 years, apparently. Uh, needed, to, needed to listen to you for 50. I, you, you've been my Packer <laughs> therapy for forever. <laughs> okay, good to hear. Uh, um, calling about the draft, the Packers. Uh, um, I think there's... Uh, a lot of things that I guess we could talk uh, on the draft part of it. Um, I, I think the ballpark is in in the Packers' hands. I I think uh, you know the thirteen fifteen swap around right there 
mm-hmm. for one, the, you know, the, the Jets got their little pot of draft. Um, it starts with the 13th, the 13th pick. Are they going to, are they going to swap with us? Uh, if they don't want to swap, they all of a sudden lose what, what is it? A hundred points on the draft chart. So they're, they're diminishing their pot as they go. If they don't want to swap. Now we mm-hmm. get to the two seconds. Um, apparently they probably want to give us one, right? Cause they gave up their third. So, um, the, the, I'm sure Green Bay wants both seconds. I think that's probably, I think that's probably the sticking ground. Um, I think they want to give us one. I think there again, they pick 42, 43. There you go. There you go. Jet fans start picking. Mm-hmm. I no, I, I appreciate the phone call. I look at this that the Jets would like to hang on to at least one. Like you said, they don't have that third. Uh, they they're desperately hanging on to and will most likely retain that first round draft choice. Maybe the Packers get a chance to swap with them. Whether they end up with, say, the the kid out of Utah, that Dalton Kincaid, a tight end, or they end up with Njigba, or they end up with another of that that middle tier guy. Uh, who knows? Maybe they go with like a, a guy like Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, the offensive tackle. Um, or, you know, say even Zay Flowers out of Boston College, Michael Mayer out of uh, the tight end out of uh, Notre Dame. Um, they could take Luke Van, Lucas Van Ness, uh, the defensive end out of Iowa. So you've got those guys that are in that middle that uh, the Packers could end up with. But, you know, you get down into the, the second round, and that's where that uh, – if the Packers have a couple of picks – most likely they filled at that point they probably unless you've got the tight end that you've been circling for quite some time on your radar in that first round chances are they'd probably go with the tight end or two in the second and maybe third third round uh, I still think that there's uh, some big dudes you need to fortify your defensive front with you know um, you look at say a guy like miles Murphy out of Clemson you know if you can you know, be able to jump up in that second round late first and get him. Um, uh, you know, I don't think Jalen Carter is going to be there. I think uh, for all intents and purposes, many many seem to think even with his, we'll say, lack of productivity and, on his pro day and coming in a little bit overweight, I think most seem to think that when he turns it on, he turns it on and he's worth to get. So whether, you know, uh, the, the kid out of Kansas State or – Oh God! Uh, say uh, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, um, the uh, Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama. I'm trying to think of some other defenders. There's some guys that are in that range that you can get a couple, two, three of those guys, and you can fortify your team and still be in a pretty good position uh, with or without all of those picks from the Jets. But I, I think you do your due. I mean, if you end up with two. Or, or, well, both of their second-round picks. Let's just say you get that for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you will, but let's just say you do. You then have three second-round picks, which means you could package them and jump into the back end of the first round if there's somebody there that you really covet. And you've got two what would be considered to be immediate starters that are immediately going to come in and fulfill some positions of, of need or depth that they're going to get into rotation almost immediately. Um, I that's might be the reason the Packers are just holding out. 
because they they're looking for guys that not only are young but guys that can come in and play and and infiltrate positions of need right now now you know again this is all conjecture but you know again we've talked about it so much and i know it's it's you get to the point where you're kind of like oh my god you know what more can we discuss about it until it actually gets here regarding the nfl draft but you know again i say tight end wide receiver defensive front safety pass rush edge because you don't know when Rashawn Gary's coming back. Those are your five specific, maybe in order positions of need. And if you can fortify two or three of those spots right now, um, near the top of the NFL draft, man, that, that goes a long way. It just does. Eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Um, because we'd love to chat with you. Uh, 877-867-1670. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at The Water Doctors. H2, the letter O, doctors.com. John Atley and his gang, they continue to give back as well to Custom Canine Service Dog Academy, helping helping veterans in need of, uh, of service animals. So uh, not only a terrific product in the Connecticut water softening system, which I've been a big supporter of, but also when you talk about helping uh, veterans and helping those in need, they're a big supporter of that as well. They're, uh, just call them. T- call John. It doesn't matter anywhere in the state uh, because if they can't help you, they will hook you up with somebody who can. 262-549-7733. If you're going through, uh, uh, say your house doesn't have great water, call them. Say you've got a new build going on call them say you've your old water softening system just didn't get it done or it's time to replace it call them 262-549-7733 anywhere in the state 262-549-7733 or go to h2 the letter o doctors.com covering wisconsin sports like a blanket this is the bill michael show on the wisconsin sports zone radio network show we continue on brantley says i've listened to a lot of the draft gurus and their thoughts on this year's draft most if not all have stated that it's a deeper draft class with less elite talent uh meaning the top 50 guys are closer to one another than most other years so i say forget that first rounder and get these two second round picks giving us four picks in the top 50 um I, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. Just get what you can, you know, near the top. Guys that are going to contribute. I, I never – look, the bottom line is this. I, you don't know what draft choices are going to give you. You don't know. Some of these GMs covet draft choices like you get a number one and you're going to be number one, and, and it just doesn't turn out that way. How many, how many draft choices in the top three rounds have we seen turn out to be complete busts? They just they never amount to anything, and the problem is when they're when they're picked that high, when they're chosen that high, they hang on to them like grim death, and they don't give up on these guys because oh they got that talent. We rated them really high. Well, maybe they just don't have the ability to play in the NFL, and you screwed up and you don't let them go quick enough because you owe them money. You know, hey, to me, just get the best available. Just get the best available guys. Try to fill a couple of needs, and you're good to go. You know, I agree with you. Just get what you can and move on. This whole thing about holding off until next year's draft and don't worry about it and it's deeper and it's going to be better, who knows? Every draft has been pre- – there's very few drafts that you look at overall, top to bottom, and you go, boy, that draft sucked. Nobody came out of that draft. 
there's always guys that come out of a draft, and there's always guys that are drafted really high that turn out to be just a giant steaming pant load of nothing. So I, I, I get this whole value system when it comes to draft picks, and we get so caught up in it. But the biggest thing for any franchise is how good of a talent evaluator you have in a scouting department and a general manager, and that's it. And for a lot of these guys, it's it's darted a dartboard, man. You'd like to think there's an exact science to it, but you take so much into consideration. It's the willingness to be able to work your ass off when you get to the NFL. Once you get there, you haven't made anything yet. You know, you're looking for that first big contract, and after that first big contract, you're looking for your second big contract, and then legacy, and then championships, and all the other things that go along with it. And are guys willing to work for that continuously throughout their career? And then if they do end up getting hurt, how willing are they to work after they get hurt? You know, have they been through their first relationship, their first breakup? Do they know how to manage a checkbook, do their own laundry, live on their own, not act like an idiot with all their their friends? You know, I mean, you just don't know. That's why this whole thing about we got to hang on to this draft choice and that choice. Just do whatever you need to do, but don't act like a draft choice is some kind of liquid gold. That if you if you happen to even for a second let go, that it's going to just drip through your fingers and you're going to lose this this unbelievable prospect. Because how many times have we seen top prospects turn to crap right before our very eyes? But I agree with you. Get what you can and continue on. 877-867-1670. Give us a shout. Uh, who's this one from? This one's from Terry. Terry says, uh, this... This franchise is a mess right now, and it's all because of Goody. I believe that once Goody and this this group of cronies is gone, that this is going to be a much better franchise. Until then, we're going to step back into the 80s and suffer quite long and loud. Terry, you got to be completely biased. Why? I, look, I admit, and I've said it before, I don't think the choice, while I understand it, Okay, I'm not going to argue with the philosophical aspect of it. Okay, I understand why the Packers chose Jordan Love. Okay, he threw the monkey wrench into the whole deal, and I understand it for the last couple of years that's been part of the problem. Okay, I get it. But what else has been horrifically bad? Yeah, you know, the first couple of draft choices, 2018, 2019, not much left over. You do have Rashawn Gary, who has been – Nothing but uh, growing and getting better each and every year until the injury. Elton Jenkins has certainly been a staple and received a second contract over on the the left side of the uh, the offensive line. Jair Alexander is a, a terrific cornerback. Now he needs to take that next step forward to kind of get up to their commensurate to the money. Um, so I, I get that. But the rest of those two drafts, uh, MVS and Equinemius St. Brown were – you know, you were kind of hopeful, but they never really amounted to much. Thus, they're not with the team anymore. Then you get to A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, Kamal, John Runyon certainly stepped in his first year and became a player on the offensive line. Then you've got Stokes, who unfortunately went down with an injury this past year after having a pretty tremendous season in 2021. Josh Myers, you know, okay. Amari Rogers bust. Uh, T.J. Slayton has been an okay backup. Kylan Hill gone. Isaiah McDuffie, Cole Van Lannan, Shamar Jean Charles. You can go on through that list. And then this year, obviously, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, uh, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, 
Kingsley Angabari came in and filled in admirably. So you've got four or five guys out of that draft that kind of, you know, fulfilled things. If this draft this year turns out to be a 2018 draft, then, yeah, there's legitimate issues, 100%. I agree with that. But right now you're – you're under wait and see, but why the the immense hate towards Brian Gudikins for what? I just I, I would love the details as to for what, and then put it in comparison, truly comparison, with some other general managers. I mean, I, I look at a lot of different teams, and there's been some teams that have fortified their teams, and they've also drafted high. They found some more sure things. I mean, you look at what the the Jets have done, for example. They've done a tremendous job, and Sauce Gardner was a tremendous pick. You know, for them. And then, you know, what they've been able to do with guys like Quinn and Williams and company and rebuild that defense. Absolutely. It's been good. The Packers are still considered a team this season, even with Jordan Love, to possibly be a, a playoff contender. So that means they're not just getting it done just because of Aaron Rodgers. That means that the talent that's been acquired and retained has been pretty good. Right? Would you say their offensive line, if healthy, you know, with Bakhtiari and Jenkins and Myers and Runyon and and you know whether it, it, you know it's it's Josh Nyman or whomever, Zach Tom certainly came in and played extremely well last year. If Sean Ryan, a third round draft choice, could be anything, that puts it over the top, right? And then if Devonte Wyatt and Quay Walker, if they take the next step and defensively get better, then that's a hell of a draft. If Jordan Love turns out to be better than average, that's a hell of a draft. I get it, but I, I would like to know why the bias, the the angst towards the general managers, because things just don't work one year. You want to throw everybody out, you know. Um, I, I don't. I hate to see that, unless it's just really god awful, god awful. I think the Pack is a pretty good franchise. I just, I, I just don't know what to believe regarding the quarterback position, and I think Jordan Love's going to be okay, but. I'm hoping for more dynamicness. 877-867-1670. Let's do this. We'll step out when we come back. We'll get into what did we miss today on this warm, sunny Monday of the Bill Michael Show. Ben Kenny will uh, bring us uh, all the fun and frivolity of headlines that we did not pick up on earlier today. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show wrapping it up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. When I think of Lord and life, my head turns out around. As gentle as a butterfly, she moves without a sound. I call her on the telephone, she sells me her mind. The night's the night you're moving in, and I can't hardly wait. The way she moves. You can always go back and listen to the program on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and over on Google Podcasts. And you can always check out the show again and again and again uh, on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com and subscribe there. It's free. Uh, It doesn't cost you anything. It just lets you know that when the show goes live, it pops up. Same thing over on the uh, Facebook uh, fan page, Facebook.com slash The Bill Michael Show, Twitch TV. 
all that good stuff. So uh, continue to follow us there as well. All right. It is time for the almighty, the much anticipated, what did we miss? <laughs> A very special edition today. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. <laughs> Welcome to a special edition of What Did We Miss? <laughs> what did we miss, one young Ben Kenny? We we mentioned earlier, Bill, that there was a fight on the Minnesota Timberwolves bench between Rudy Gobert and Ryan Anderson. Correct. Gobert was subsequently suspended for Tuesday's game against the Lakers. He was told to go home. Wondering he, if he was, he was kicked out at halftime. Wondering if the NBA is rigging games to have LeBron James move forward. That's all they hope for. Now, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and I quote, the Timberwolves had to suspend Gobert for throwing a punch, mm-hmm. but accepted that it was a shot to the chest with no intent to injure Kyle Anderson and understood that Anderson called Gobert a, quote, B-word, yes. quote, repeatedly. He told him to shut the F up, B-word. On a night Gobert was playing hurt, sources tell ESPN. <laughs> there you go. It's all about making sure LeBron James advances and anything to keep the interest from the L.A. market. That's it. Because the Clippers are irrelevant. And Paul George is hurt, notably. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about this in the beginning, and I, I need to stop the Jim Nance stick for a second. Phil Mickelson, <laughs> what, what Phil Mickelson did was one of the more impressive, unbelievable things I've ever seen an athlete do in sports. Shooting the a 65 year. after not yeah. being a competitive golfer, let alone, a, he hasn't been anywhere in two and a half years. Shoots a the 75 to, to tie for second in a high flyers quarter zip. It was unbelievable. The only thing I can equate to this is when Jack won the Masters at the age of, what, 40? What was it, 40-something? 40 48? What was 46? 40, it was, yeah, it was an older age, and he won the Masters. And when everybody pretty much had written Jack off as being a guy because of the back and the knees, that he was never going to come back and play. And then Jack came back and won the Masters. That that now, that was a single-day performance out of Phil. And as much as I'm not a Phil Mickelson fan, and I'm not, man, what an incredible day he had yesterday. Uh, just, it, you got to give him a lot of credit, no doubt. As a season-long fan of the High Flyers, it was a it was a big day because it's been a tough year for his squad. I think mm-hmm. they've come in dead last if not close to it in every live event including he again not being very competitive so for that he was bill he was wearing a t-shirt under a high flyers quarter zip i heard someone say and i completely agree he looks like an xfl coach trying to explain away a 30 point loss right just off the rails wearing gas station sunglasses it was unbelievable he looks bad I know he's had some physical ailments, and he's got some things that are chronic, but he does not look good. He looks like he has aged dramatically in the last two years. There was some fun head about if he had won the Masters yesterday, what his champion's dinner would be like next year, what he would have on the menu. They wondered, like, green tea, 
right. alternative, like Aaron Rodgers yeah. or Jason. Men, oh, right? yeah. Everybody would have been taking <laughs> ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that was incredible. Tiger Woods withdrew. I don't think we talked about this. No, we didn't. Tiger he, just uh, physically couldn't get up and down the, the course. He made the cut, tied Fred Couples for 23 straight Masters cuts. Then he withdraws, which was right. I mean, I didn't want to see him suffer through that, even though I know he tried to do it. And then Jason Day apparently revealed. So last year, Tiger withdrew from the PGA Championship after Mm -hmm. making the cut, I believe, on Saturday when it got brutal out there. Jason Day said that Tiger withdrew from that because a screw had broken through the skin on his surgically repaired leg. Um, Which, when I read that, I was like, wow, is his leg that splintered that this is where we're at? I mean, at this point, do you think that maybe, well, you know, that he should even be playing golf? With the contortion and the and the turning that that bone is under with that many screws. Because isn't it like 20-something screws, 27 screws that are in that leg? It's a lot. Should he even be playing golf at this point? Right. I you mean, what, what crushes it is the bad weather, is the cold right. and the rain. Yeah. And it just happens to be that a bunch of the majors in the last year have faced some ridiculous weather. Well, yeah, but it's it's the not only is he walking up and down the course, but then the twisting. If you just watched le- when they kept showing guys that were teeing off and the contortion that the legs and the rolling over of the feet and the and the the lower body and how that that twists your legs and limbs to the edge of your feet and such and i'm all i kept thinking was tiger's bone is being held together by screws and those screws are being twisted contorted with every swing not just on the course but every practice swing everything he does i'm just like wow this guy and to watch him walk around was painful and this guy is i get it he's a gamer he wants to be out there but but, man, the torque that he is putting on that leg is just amazing. And if that's true, that screws were poking through, a screw was poking through his skin, that it's just like, wow. Just, I give it up to him in the uh, pain management department. But to me, I would say as a friend, Tiger, it, it's time to become a spectator and a commentator. I think for him, it's it's something he can't really part with. I, I would agree with it. Because most that's people. That's all he's got. Yeah, most people that go through what he's gone through don't do what he's doing anymore that's something right that that, that goes into the past some but. people some some greats that's all they have they've alienated you know the, the old adage is you have to give up so much in your life to be great and when you're not great anymore you look back and you say i don't have anything left in my life you know it's hard for to rip the ball out of the hands of those that are great and you look at a guy like Walter Payton. You look at a guy like Hal Farr for to a certain extent. You know, you take you know some of the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan. It's very tough once they go into a normal life to where the greatness in the in the game and the guys in the locker rooms are not there anymore. It's just hard for them to accept. I think Tiger's one of those guys. The final note I have, Bill, is Christian Yelich 
yesterday, after homering, mm-hmm. did not post a Twitter video. Instead, instead, he posts a picture of him wearing their new cheese head. But because it does not fall under the video, the video category, category yes. I think we're safe. At least for the time being. At least for the time being. No uh, Christian Yelich video. So if he homers tonight and goes in back-to-back games and goes yard, if he posts a video, then we know all hope is lost. <laughs> so. I'm going to be unbearable tomorrow if he goes Yeah. Deep. If he goes deep today, boy, it's uh, it's getting this all throughout the world. No doubt about it, through Brewers Nation. Tonight, I am, uh, I'm I'm going to head out to the yard. I'm going to do some yard work, and it's glorious. I might even ride the motorcycle and do a little grilling tonight and watch the game. So that's it for me, man. I'm just going to take advantage of a day. Until we chat again tomorrow, 20 hours from now, time for us to get out of here. Have a good one. Enjoy the weather. Hoop. <laughs>